When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The interviews you'll hear today were recorded on June 19th and July 6th, 2023. Light the fuse. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. Uh, it's all got to do with the rabbit's foot. Please don't make me go through you. Sir, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny, and he has made you his mission. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. And you really think we can do this? We're going to do it. Welcome to Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. I am, as always, Drew Taylor, and I am, as always, joined by Charles Hood. Charles, how you doing? I am great, Drew. You are, as always, Drew Taylor, and 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 that's and that's good enough. Yeah, for some, <laughs> for some. I mean, you know. <laughs> It depends, but you know, you and I are very excited because this is an interview that we have been craving for literally years, right? Yeah. Since the very beginning of the show, we have wanted to talk to Rebecca Ferguson. That's going back to 2018 when we first started our old show. And so, yeah, we are so excited to share this interview with you all. Rebecca Ferguson, the one and only Ilsa Faust, we got to talk to. She was lovely. She was uh, shooting silo right this is this was you know this is a a month or so ago now and uh that was where she was like in between i think setups basically came in and talked to us on zoom which was amazing yeah she was every bit as wonderful as we had hoped she would be yes we didn't get to talk to her on the red carpet uh but as we were stumbling home to our hotel at the end of the night after the premiere we did see her getting out of her limousine and going into her hotel so we should have waved and said Good night. Yeah, and she was also super nice to the fans. There were a couple of fans waiting for her, and she was really nice to them and said hi and you know good night to them or whatever. It was great. She's just she's just lovely. Yeah, it's so awesome to talk to her. I should give you a heads up that we were we could not talk about spoilers with her, so that's something that we couldn't get into. So we hope to bring her back on the show later so that we can talk more about spoilers. But uh, just to give you you know manage expectations a little bit, we can't get into the big spoilers here. Obviously, no, no. But let me tell you that there's plenty of other great stuff from her, and uh, yeah, it was a, just a delight to get to talk to her. So should we just get into it now, Charles? I think we should get into it. People don't want to hear from us. They want to hear from Rebecca. Me too. Yeah. And just also one last thing, too, before we get into this, I will say that uh, we have a, a couple bonus interviews at the end of this episode as well. We're going to revisit Rome and the world premiere one last time for a couple of red carpet interviews. So stick around after the Rebecca Ferguson interview for a couple of more little bonus interviews as well. All right. Let's get into it. We'll be back afterwards. Well, we're so excited to have you on, Rebecca. We 
Love you. We love your work. And yeah, welcome to Light the Fuse. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm very excited. What have people told you about this show? Do you Has really it, want McCoury to hear? Or Tom? <laughs> yeah, I really. We, do you really want to know? Yeah. 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 They said, do it. Do it now. <laughs> There's no better publicity or kindness. Aww. But you guys, are, you're so loved. Oh. And I'm not going to say especially by someone, but isn't Chris McCory like, don't you guys do like super long interviews with him sometimes? Yeah. Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the best. I mean, he is the best, but he's also an enormous, you know, storyteller. That's him and his forte. Yes. Well, take us back to getting cast in Rogue Nation and what that whole process was like for you. Did you have any idea it would be this kind of huge part of your life? No, I had no idea. I mean, I must have heard the story. I was on a camel in the desert in Wazazat in Morocco. And funnily enough, I was on a camel called Barbie. Me and Tom laughed a bit about that. And uh, they said that he wanted to meet up. So I remember just jumping off the camel, barely showering and flying to Luton um, and, and arriving the house where they filmed Eyes Wide Shut. It was all very surreal and it was all very... Ten years later on, I understand that it was very much in the agenda and in the DNA structure of what Mission Impossible is. It's quick, it moves, it surprises you. It's a bit of a defibrillation, a heartbeat, and you barely know what's happened. We heard a story once that you had to redo your screen test. Is that true? Did you have to go back and film it again? No. Oh, okay. My gosh. Are we going live? Because I have to come with a good anecdote. No, that's not. That's not. <laughs> okay, never mind. That is never not mind. true. Okay. That is not true. However, I do believe that they had someone in mind and for various reasons, it didn't work out. I never really asked why. And they had gone through my casting. I think I was in a pile of lots of other people and they went through them again and found me and went, oh, should we try this one out then? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's give her a try, shall we? <laughs> I think that's more accurate to the story. <laughs> McCory always talks about how, you know, he casts somebody and then he kind of develops a character around that person. How much of Ilsa was on the page or in his mind, I guess, before you were cast? And then how much um, developed and how much did you contribute to her? That's a really interesting question, because I remember reading a couple of pages, but it was mostly the way that Chris described her. And, you know, in that first meeting with Tom, we had a coffee, we spoke, we, we kind of got to know each other for about two hours, all of us. And then they said, should we do a scene maybe? And they were like, oh my God, you have a flight back to be on a camel in an hour. So the bonding went really well. And then the way that he described her, the way that he kind of explained her independence and not fierceness, but sort of her radical rogueness and her cool sort of exterior and the things, the secrets she sat in very much put the ground pillar to the character that we later developed. Whether he then changed and added things because of me or me making it more what I would have done with it, that kind of is a, it's a merge, isn't it, in how we create. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, did you, did you, we always ask this of, of people who have played characters for multiple movies, but would he come to you with ideas and you say, I don't know if Ilsa would do this. Like, do you, do you have that kind of ownership and, you know, authorship? Yeah. No, we don't really work okay. like that with Mission. Um, <laughs> okay. Mission is more, there is a story. Chris knows it because it's in his head. Tom knows it because he's basically in Chris's head. But all of us, <laughs> we kind of get to wing it. 
<laughs> but when you've done it, it can be quite stressful for people who are new to the world. And that's where we will help out to say, it will be fine. Trust the process. Uh, and Tom laughs about it himself. It's just how their minds work. They have an idea, they have a story, they have stunts, they have characters, but they don't know how everything links together. So you just have to be really prepared for everything. And then later when you see the film, it will all make sense. On average, I mean, how many different takes are you doing with different, you, I mean, you're not just giving slight differences. Are you doing like totally different kind of approaches and performance for per take? Yeah, I mean, they will literally shoot the shit out of every angle. <laughs> every angle so that they can later with Eddie cut it all together. That is literally how we shoot the movie. And that gives us, the actors, a possibility to try things out. There's never, you know, there's never a moment where we move on and I think I, I didn't get to act or I didn't get to try things out or, you know, there's a palette of colors and nuances and try, you know, give everything. Tom wants everything. Chris wants everything. Did you ever try something where you felt like you wish you'd seen that in the final movie and, and it didn't make it? No, I think, <laughs> no, there's just one thing I find really, really bloody frustrating with them both. We have this thing, Chris really likes that we kind of look down, looking down, don't blink too much and keep your mouth a little bit open, right? And we laugh about it because it's like, what do, you, what do you need? Do you need my head down and my mouth open and my eyes open a bit? It's just an <laughs> image he has. And I don't know if it's sort of Hitchcockitarian, Hitchcockitarian era, there's something. But it is head down, eyes open, don't blink, which means you start getting teary eyes. So I feel like I'm crying in every scene with Tom, which makes me really vulnerable. <laughs> and a couple of times I've been like, I'm not crying, man. I'm just not blinking. <laughs> and he's like, no, but it works really good for the story. It looks great. And I think, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> well, are you surprised sometimes with... Because I feel like if you're giving so many different versions, there could be totally different versions of Ilsa in every movie. No, because there is nothing uncharacteristic that I would do with her. Okay. You know, there, there are ways that she moves, there are ways that she fights that we've I've figured out with Wade Eastwood, the stunt coordinator. And that has come from my ability and capability of what looks good when I move or, you know, and that's a dance and that's fun. That's created around me and around the work that they do and the stunts that they do. But character-wise, she was just... I sit on secrets that I don't share with Chris and I don't share with Tom, things I'm thinking when I film to give it nuances. But that's my job. You know, that's nothing that is expected or asked or requested. That's something that I find intriguing. Do you want to tell us anything from, from your Ilsa? <laughs> ima imagined Ilsa backstory? <laughs> no. No, but I do, I do have, I think I had a moment in Rogue Nation once where I was like, can I get something? Like, what am I thinking here? What is my moment? And Chris said, just make a vegetarian lasagna. <laughs> and I went, wow, okay, that, that's the, I'm loving it. So I did. I think I literally went, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then we have eggplant, zucchini, no meat, no meat keeps on coming back now. Is it hollandaise sauce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. We'll be back with more from Rebecca Ferguson after the break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Well, let's talk about Ilsa in Dead Reckoning Part 1. You are sort of the emotional center of the movie. I think we can say that without spoiling anything but like what what did you know going into this project and you know what did you discover along the way i knew the arc of my character okay uh because it was a conversation that was held um from both parts and um but i mean i didn't even know the film started on a bloody submarine guys until I saw the movie. <laughs> so, I mean, this is what I love about Mission. I am prepared and I come in and we are trained and our body's in shape to do things that we need to do, which works, explosive. It's, you know, physically we're ready. I can do sword fighting. I know I was going to do sword fighting. That was going to be my sort of thing for the film. Um, and then there are other things that we get to train for, but then it gets shifted. It, it, we give the fight to someone else or someone else gets to take over. So we kind of, we create a palette of color that later is given to other people, taken away, added because of the story being built as it is written. So there is nothing that I know when I am filming. When I rock up on set, I don't know if I'm running away from someone or if I'm chasing someone. So we shoot both. <laughs> because we don't know when we're going to place it in the story. But if you interview with Chris, Chris's mind is the story. Right. So I never want, I would never have wanted it to be different. It's what makes it exciting. It's what keeps us all ready to jump, which you need because it's a long journey. Right. So Kittredge at the beginning of the movie talks about kind of the Ethan and Elsa dynamic of, Ilsa keeps breaking away and getting herself in trouble. And, and then Ethan always is, is that's, that's how they end up, you know, coming back together. Because what I'm wondering is like this spe special relationship between Ethan and Ilsa, it's so fascinating because between Rogue Nation, Fallout, and now Dead Reckoning Part One, it's this quasi romance. I mean, it is romance. It feels romantic, but they've, they never kissed once in all three movies. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at this film, would you also say that there's romance between Tom and, and Haley Apple? So would we say that all women fall in love with Ethan or can we step outside the box and think there are moments where a rough, a rush of adrenaline for savior, for protection, for love, but it goes beyond it. It's not meant to happen. Right. You know, we've had moments where I kissed Tom in a scene because I thought I'm just going to go for it and see what happened. And it didn't make the film because it made no sense yeah. because we would have lost we would have lost what makes them interesting individually as a unit. 
So would you not characterize it as a romance then? No, it's too simple. It's much more than that. They're salt and pepper. They're oil and water. They, they could never, their relationship, if it was a relationship, it would never have lasted. I always thought that maybe they, I thought they sort of found sort of safe harbor in each other because they are the only people that understand what their lives yes. are like. But that doesn't have to be romanticism that were romance right you know that's so you don't think they ever consummated it (laughs) oh i didn't say that honey (laughs) Um. (laughs) they were in that they were in that moroccan shed for a while yeah no and to be honest i find romance like that on screen really boring the whole point of her is she can also stab you in the back and she can run miles for something she believes in not saying she would with him but she would go if she needs to. Yeah. Well, it's like in Rogue Nation. She saves his life, but then she takes the drive and, and takes off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, that's also one of my favorite moments or anecdotes for a mission film. We'd done the defibrillator sequence. We're in the water. And then we're filming the continuation in Morocco because I think I end up outside in the street and I jump over a car, right? So... That scene, we shot in Morocco, and it was one of those lots of tourists, not tourists, people are out. They want to get Tom. Tom is amazing with everyone and so kind, and people are being very respectful. But there's also a moment when you just need to get the scene. And we're getting the scene, and and Chris goes, oh, my God, of course, um, you need to hold the thing in your hand. And I went, what do you mean? And he said, well, you stole the thing, right, in the scene. We've stolen the thing. And I went, well, what have I stolen? And he goes, I don't know what it is yet, (laughs) but... You have taken it and it is the thing of the film. So make it as big as a lighter and just run with it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the guy, the, the, there's a guy, I don't know who he is, a photographer or someone, just throws me his lighter. I grab it and I hold it in my hand. And that's what I have when I do the scene. No idea that it becomes the key that holds the safe to the lock. And I don't know what, 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 the, what the domino was of that. Wow. Amazing. As a performer, do you love this kind of spontaneity and kind of for Mission Impossible? Not making it up, but it's a it, you're you're on the fly the whole time. I mean, does that something that that revs your engine, or is it kind of exhausting? It's exhausting, but it's also mission. It's how it needs to be because something mm-hmm. that is the most incredible moment for me on set is actually during Dead Reckoning Part One. Uh, there's a scene in a club. And they're, all the actors are together. It's Haley, it's Palm, it's Vanessa, it's Tom, it's myself. Uh, Simon is not there. There's a big gathering of people. And we're about, and Isaiah Morales, and we're about to sort of who's going to do who, who's supporting who, and who's screwing some, who's over, and who's going to get hit. You know, it's one of those wow, wow, wow moments. <laughs> but something has not clicked well with Tom. And he will sit down and he will go, I don't understand why this emotion happens. I need to analyze. I need to look at it. Like the guy just doesn't run a scene and do it. He needs to understand emotional connection to the scenes, which I love because we don't talk about that with Tom. We talk so much about his stunts and his performances, but the guy is extremely devoted to character driven storytelling and something didn't work. And we all just sat there. And we got to see them shape this scene in front of us. And I thought, they have the best relationship in the world. When they go home at night, they probably sit there and have dinner and do what I got to experience for two hours on set, but they get to do it all the time. 
And it was like magic unraveling. Yeah, but what if he does this? Yeah, but it wouldn't work because, yeah, but we could do this. And what if the camera comes and we don't see? It was like film school. And that's that's how it works. I guess it says something, too, for you to be kind of dazzled by this process three movies in. Yeah. Yeah. Every process. Because it doesn't stop. Their minds don't stop. Where can they go further? Where, what can they do that they haven't yet explored? What angles on the camera, whether it's a bloody Mexican shuffle, a Danish twist, a Japanese horizon, I don't know the terminology. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just phenomenal <laughs> because they are film, you know, they are, I was going to say film, but movie geeks, they know everything. So do you do you feel like there was a like a a change in Ilsa from movie to movie from Rogue Nation to Fallout and then Fallout to Dead Reckoning Part 1 or was she always kind of the same? No, I try to maintain the same, but it's also hard because you know, in in Rogue Nation selfishly I was the you know, the female lead with Tom and she was the equivalent to him. And there was a lot of things to do. And in a film production that takes a long time, it's quite nice to be busy and not sit in a trailer for a long time, which a lot of people have to do. In the second one, stories kind of changed, but she was still on the trajectory of independence, but now we introduce more people. In this one, which I love, there's so many people and so many cool women, but my ego has to step aside and give space for other people. It's a fantastic story with incredible characters, but there's just that much you can bring to to the film for yourself, you know? And and what they what they gave space for, we've 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 tried to, well, they have tried to make sense of, I guess. Um, so yeah. Was there advice for Haley that you? Because I mean, she's sort of taking the 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 lead in this one, obviously. So it's trust the process. I just kept on saying trust the process. <laughs> but she is fiercely intelligent. She's wickedly smart. She, I mean, her head is so screwed on. I felt similar to her in many ways. Um, we have a similarity to us, which I like. Um, and there is something that runs through the characters that they cast in these films. And I, can, I think I can see a thread. I don't know if they want me to see a thread, but I think I can see it. There's an enormous, there's a strength to the character. There's an independence to the characters. I've always loved the fact that Tom and, and, and Chris really emphasize the equality of women and men. They make Tom's character vulnerable. They make the women strong. They make the women vulnerable. They make Tom strong. They build story for characters. All right. Here's a here's a real question that we've been. Oh, thank God! I was sitting here thinking, where are the real questions, guys? (laughs) Yeah, where are the real questions? Yeah. All right. Here's a question. What does Ilsa? say to julia <laughs> nope at the end of fall no come on nope. um, what do you I have said, to lose McCor- mccory says he doesn't even know mm, there's a part of rogue nation where the story arc basically takes a turn for ilsa and Haley's character's there and there's a whisper again and we kept on coming back to what michelle had whispered to me that it was going to be a hand down of information from was it me whispering to her or did she whisper to me to, to me, it looked like it was like you sort of whispered in, in Julia's ear, like, I've got him or I'll take care of him or like, don't don't worry, you know. Um, yeah. But what you what you don't know is when we did the takes, we did every version, obviously. So she oh, whispered to me. Of course. Okay. I whispered to her. She whispered to Benji. Benji whispered to Luther. <laughs> <laughs> 
Everyone just whispered. I've seen it. No. And, um, and they're all saying, we got him. I got him. I'll take care of him. We got him. I got him. I'll take care I've of him. I'll, him. Do it. I'll take care of him. He's mine. I got it. I've seen it. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. I thought maybe it would have been the recipe for the vegetables. <laughs> oh, well done. I'm not that quick. Well done, Drew. That's it. <laughs> We'll be back with more from Rebecca Ferguson after the break. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game. Headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Well, when we first talked to McCory about this movie, like, I don't even know, maybe you guys hadn't even started shooting it, but he said, I want this to be the swashbuckling Mission Impossible. And you get to do the sword fighting. Tell us what that was like. It was amazing. I love fighting. I love, love the stunts. I think also for me, one of the reasons to be in a mission film is for the stunts. It's the traveling. It's, it's taking your character to try the extremes that you would never do. I mean, it's such a treat. It's, I'm so grateful and thankful for all of that. So the sword fighting was wonderful. I was training with a specialist, um, did lots of different moves and yeah, it was really tricky. It was really hard, really heavy. I had to do the scene nonstop from beginning to end. And with a heavy sword, it's really fucking tiring. And then they had to uh, minimize the sword. So they did half a sword to CGI the length because when we get closer and closer, you can't. I can't have the real sword. And then you get a tiny little bit without a sword. So now you have to do the fight pretending you're holding a heavy sword, but you're actually not. You're just holding a handle. <laughs> um, and I don't know. There's various reasons to where the shot is and the angle, etc. But it's really tricky what people get to see as a little second or a minute is months and months of training for it to look easy. Yeah. How is Isai as a sparring partner? Phenomenal. He's absolutely phenomenal. And he was game to practice and train. He was in that training room because that dude has to fight a lot. And I think <laughs> he absolutely nailed it. And he had a good technique. And I love his character, the way, the way his facial expressions move. He's so... I was going to say camp, but not camp in a way of that. Just very neutral, very neutral in a way. And I really love that. It's very unpredictable. It's very scary. Yeah. Sinister. Very sinister. Yeah, it is sinister. It's a lethargic, sin, sin, sinister emotion. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you wanted to do stunt-wise that you haven't gotten to do yet? I mean, one of my favorite favorite bits were challenging the jumps and stuff. I didn't love it. No, that's a lie. I hated it, to be honest. <laughs> the jumps I hated. And I did the bloody jump in Fallout. No, not Fallout, Rogue Nation, where he jumps into the water. It's like a 130-foot free fall. And I did it. I did it 10 times in the New Forest in England. 
And I can barely stand on a five meter trampoline. And I did it. And they cut it out of the movie. Uh, That pissed me off. But it made sense. It was cooler for her to just rock up and save him. Right. But you do stunts. You you do things that, that doesn't really make it to the film. But I also feel with Mission, you live the stunts. You live the life that you are prepared for filming. Meaning, I love how how my body's in shape. I love how I feel. I love how I'm eating. I love that I'm nurturing myself. I love that I'm flexible. I love that I can do these things. I love that I'm challenging myself. And whether or not it makes the movie, I actually don't care. I know they're going to make a fab movie. I have such trust in them. But I get to come home or come to my friends and be like, what have you done? Well, you know, 135 foot free fall. Uh, I fought with five stunt guys and uh, jumped off the Vienna rooftop. What did you do? You know, it's you live mission. And that is the best part of mission. Watching Cruz work on, you know, three through two, or I guess it was two of these movies probably before you started on Silo. But watching him as an actor producer, did that influence you or did you learn anything for now you're working as an act- actor producer on, on Silo? A hundred million percent. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I sometimes feel like I've turned into a tiny cruise. <laughs> I take a lot with me of, I try. I try to take. If these people, I mean, to be honest, most of the people I've worked with have been extremely professional. Hugh Jackman, one of them always, always caring for everyone. And there's nothing I have to learn. I believe in seeing everyone and caring for everyone. I'm a kind person, I would like to think. And as a producer on set, even more important that everyone has space to be seen, to be heard, you know, to feel that their job is important, which it is. I don't like the hierarchical setting on a set. I don't want people to be scared of people. We have a very familiar, kind set on Silo. And we work very hard, all of us, to to do that. And that has really set the kind of the bar. And Tom, when it comes to stunts and when it comes to, um, you know, I'm, I'm on top of it. I expect the best of everyone. And I try and bring it myself. That I have learned from him. I come prepared. I don't f*** around. We don't have time for silliness. If you haven't prepared, et cetera, et cetera, then the ripple effect is that you're really messing up for the crew who's sitting there waiting. And I don't, I don't like it. We have scripts. We're working in a different way. This is not a mission film. There's a 10-part episode where all the episodes are written and there's a writer strike. So we can shoot, which means you bring your game. So yeah, I, I definitely, definitely have learned a lot from him. I love that. Well, Rebecca, thank you for being on the show. Please come back. Oh, guys, thank you for having Wait, me. Wait, should we have our least rank the haircuts, Tom Cruise haircuts? We got, we got, we're telling, we're getting told. Oh, okay. So I'm listen, sorry. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. You want to tell us, do you like Tom with a shorter cut or a more lengthy do? Never thought about Tom Cruise's haircut, really, to be honest, Drew. How could you, how could okay, you not well, think about it? He's standing about. right in front yeah. of you. It's that, that beautiful mane of hair, you know. I just think about, I think we should, you know, do you not sort of do a, a one to five of all the runs? Because I have to say one of my favorite runs now which you don't know, but on the rooftop of the Abu Dhabi airport, when he's running in the background, he's actually just heading for the canteen. <laughs> they just got a shot of it. I just made it into the film. He wanted a sandwich. So that's your favorite you That's your okay. favorite running scene? Where's Tom? He's like, okay, he's heading for a sandwich. Okay, yeah. Did you, yeah, you got that? Okay, great. 
Is that how they bait him for these runs? They're just like, oh, yeah, Tom, there's a sandwich down there. <laughs> I don't know who said that to me. I laughed so much. <laughs> I think it was Haley or someone. Oh, I thought that was very, very, probably Tom said it himself. The guy has so much humor for himself. He's such a good one, I have to say. He is. We're fans. Um, yeah. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you in Silo Part 2 and also on the desert planet Arrakis. We got that coming Yeah, up. we do. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Cannot wait. Come on back. I mean, invite me, guys, and I'll be there. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. And we're back. How you feeling, Charles, after that wonderful Rebecca Ferguson chat. Oh, it was just a joy. It's so it's so awesome to hear her talk about the process. You can tell how energized she is by, you know, working with Cruz and McCory on these movies and what a joy. It's amazing. Um yeah, Ilsa I just can't say how much we love the Ilsa Faust character so much. And uh yeah, so it's just such an honor to talk to her about Ilsa. Yeah, we love Ilsa Faust, but now I think we love somebody a little bit more and that somebody is Rebecca Ferguson. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think we're going to have to get her back. I think this is just, we're going to have to have her come back and talk more when we can dig, when we can dig into the movie a little bit more as well. Cause while we're in the theatrical window, we can't get into big spoilers. Uh, so that is, uh, it is what it is, but we'll, we'll hopefully get her back. Yeah. And, but we're not done yet, Charles. We're not done yet. We are not done. We've got more for you today. We've got to revisit Rome for the last time. So we, we went to Rome in June for the world premiere of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. And we talked to so many people and we have just, we've just been spreading this out, all these different interviews with little pieces here, little pieces there, the junket interviews and red carpet and stuff like that. So we've got our final two red carpet interviews we wanted to share today. Let's start with Greg Tarzan Davis. What do you say? Oh, I mean, talk about a delight. Yeah. He is the best. He is the absolute best. So, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk. He, he has some great stuff to say. And uh, and then who, who are we going to follow that up with, do you think, Charles? Uh, who do I think we're going to follow up with? Yeah, I mean, if you had to guess. <laughs> if I had, uh, I'll just say, uh, well, why don't we come back and we'll, we'll, we'll tease it and we'll come let him know when we get back. All right. That's fine. All right. Here it is. Greg Tarzan Davis. We'll be back. You get to hunt Ethan Hunt in this movie. No pun intended. No pun intended. Yep, yep. Is he truly a shape-shifting, mind-reading agent of chaos? <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. No, uh, yes, he is. He is so hard to nap. It's like, it's like you, ever, you ever seen somebody chasing a chicken? You know, with the boxes, you try to chase a chicken, like, get over here. Get over here. God dang it, Ethan. That's that's what he is. Is that what you did to train? That's what I did to train. And then I, it didn't work. I ended up, I was like, I'm just going to go to Popeye's instead. I can catch that chicken. Okay, you were on the train. What was that like? Mm, so, like I guess I've never been on the on a train, inside of a train before, and my cutest size would put me on top of the train, which is freaking crazy. It was insane. And I, so we're, we're the train... 
I felt like a little, I felt like a little puppy. <laughs> because the train is going this way, right? And they have me facing this way. So they're like, all right, Tarzan, action. And I'm there, and the, you know, the spit, and I'm crying. And they're like, action, Tarzan, stop crying. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> it, it, it was it was crazy. It was like 60 miles an hour? 70. 70 miles an hour. 70 miles. Did, did that like, did it make you hungry for more? Or were you like, I'm, this is good. Hungry for more? <laughs> what? What's wrong with this guy? Hungry for Tom, Tom gets more and more. <laughs> he does. Yeah. It's yeah. a crazy guy. Oh, um, <laughs> no, no. It, it, there was this moment where we finished filming for the day and we're all sitting. This was like one of the, we have pictures of it. It was one of the most beautiful moments because we're in Norway in the middle of like these mountains. So beautiful, so uh, lustrous. And we're just sitting down on top of the train and we're looking. And, and Tom is like, this is amazing, right? And I'm like, this is incredible. And McHugh says, this is probably one of my top three moments in filming a, a, a movie. And it's like, wow. And we just, it's me, McHugh, Tom, Shay, uh, Chunky, the camera operator. And he's just a, and Isai. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful sight. And that was incredible. And then wow. he said, I'm going to drive my motorcycle off of that mountain. And then he decides to do that. And then, and then he ruins the moment to say, all right, y'all ready for the next night? No, we just finished this one. Thank you so much for talking. Can we get a photo before we? Yes, of course. Okay. All right. All right, we're back, Charles. You promised some more stuff. So I what did. do you got to say? Yes. And obviously, always a joy to talk to Greg Tarzan Davis. We love him so much. And we've got more from the red carpet in Rome. We are talking to Haley Atwell again. We got Haley. We talked to Haley a whole bunch. And so it was amazing to catch her again on the red carpet right before the premiere. And uh, and she was so generous with, with her time with us again. She must be tired of us by now. Uh, yeah, she was tired of us <laughs> years ago. So, yeah, I think she's fully sick of us. But anyway, here we go. Haley Atwell from the red carpet in Rome. Tell us about being a put pocket. Oh, it's so useful because it means I could store things in other people in a crowd and then not have to carry anything and then and then go and retrieve them at the end of the night. It's, it's actually very practical. Yeah. It's very useful. Yeah. yeah. Did you get to do any magic yourself? Tom told us that he got very frustrated doing the magic trick for you. <laughs> <laughs> He was quite competitive. He was quite, he was like, and also, he'd watch me do it, and he'd be like, okay. And then he'd go away and come up with something even cooler and better to, like, outshine me. Oh I mean, I say that in jest. He's so generous with it. He wants me to thrive. And, yeah. and the fun thing was kind of coming up with ways of, you know, there's a moment where she's, she puts her hands up. Yeah. And uh, I just found a way to hide it behind my finger so I can uh, kind of elegantly go, oh, voila, oh, this old thing. Yeah. Oh. Um, and it was so fun just to find a kind of an elegant way that, that she, her physicality is so much important, so important to kind of establish the way she can duck and dive and, and kind of disappear if she needs to. So, um, yeah, I, I know how to I put pocket myself okay. in various situations. <laughs> thank you so much for stopping. Yeah, and thank hi. you. Good to, see you. Yeah. Good to see you. All right, Charles, that's it. All right. We're done true. with Rome. That is it. 
coming out of those interviews, Drew, we, we, we need you to stay weird. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? For our old, I know <laughs> our old listeners, uh, for our, you know our old show, Drew, Drew would get would get uh, a little tired of coming out of interviews the the same old way. So he'd mix it up. But we need to, we need that back. We need that energy back, Drew. I know, I know. I'm, it's I'm very cautious about it, but I think that we'll we'll work up to it. You know, I'm, I need yeah. my confidence to come back. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we'll get that hashtag going, and yeah. you know that'll that'll be hashtag it. keep Drew weird for sure. Yeah, no, we're not losing it. We're not losing your weirdness, that's for sure. Well, what do we what do we have to tease coming up, Charles? We got a lot of great interviews in the can. We got great interviews coming up. We've got a really awesome interview with Lauren Balfe coming, two-parter coming up. You're going to love this. It's so great. We dig in so deep about the music for Dead Reckoning Part 1 and touch on uh, Fallout, his Fallout music as well. And it's just a really amazing chat. And many more uh, people coming up as well. We're very excited. But let's just tease that for now. All right. And uh, let's tell everybody to go see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 still playing exclusively in theaters. Go see it. Go see it. And also, you know, we, we had Light the Ooze last week. We hope to do more. So let's just remind people to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem also exclusively in theaters playing right now. Yeah. Yes. I went and saw it again with a couple of friends. I was just, uh, yeah, I love it. It's so great. It's wonderful. Um, and remember that there will be new episodes of this show every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to remind people to like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's Apple Podcast, whether it's Spotify. You know, just give us a, a rating and a review. It'll, it'll help us out a lot. And, uh, yeah, if you want to hear more about Mission Impossible, obviously follow Mission Film on Twitter. Or X? Are we calling it X now, I don't know if I can call it X. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's tough. It's (laughs) tough. Uh, You can follow them on Mission Film on Instagram. Uh, Obviously, follow us at Light the Fuse Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And what else, Charles? I think that's it. You just got to come back for more of the show. We're just warming up. We're just starting. You know, we're getting into our groove. This is going to be great. Can't wait for you all to hear the episodes we have coming up. It's going to be really fun. Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, is produced by Charles Hood. That's me and Drew Taylor. This episode was edited by Luke Burson with music by Kevin Blumenfeld. Original Mission Impossible themes by Lalo Schifrin. This podcast is a production of Paramount Pictures. All rights are reserved. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. 